welcome to King's Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about King's Church, visit kcnyc.org. So great to be here with you guys. Um, Sarah and I, we we love this city. We live in Harrisburg now for the last four years. Um, And we, we would drive here pre-COVID, we would drive here just to have lunch or dinner and then drive back home. Um, and we just love the, you know, the feel of the city. Most people do if you're from outside of here. Um, so this is great to come back um, and to reconnect to the city, but also the people. Um, David and Bethany, they've been good friends with us for a little bit and um, look forward to more building, not just like you were saying, not just the structural and you know, different things like that, but just friendship and alignment being aligned together and we're going to need more of that in the in the months and years that are ahead of us so this is exciting for us to be here in their absence it's such a great honor uh, that they trust us us meaning us representing life center Um, i'm accountable very much accountable (laughs) to our community not to speak blasphemy when i travel and things like that so it's although you don't know me there's a little bit of a safety net you know um, but uh, I just want to introduce who we are. Sarah and I, we've been married uh, 20 years. 20 years, well, 19, it'll be 20 uh, next year. Thank you. It is an accomplishment. And we're more in love today. And uh, we have four children. Our oldest is 16. She'll be a senior um, in, in, in high school. And our youngest is eight. And she rules the other three. The older three were like super mild. I mean, just, you know, introverted, just super chill when they were little kids. And we had other young families when they were having kids at the same time. Those kids were just, I mean, boys mostly. And they were just running around, circles around us. And our first was a daughter. She was super, super calm and easy. And we're like, wow, we, you know, this is good, easy parenting. Our second, our son was born. He's like me, an introvert, even more than my daughter, and he's just like, he would go to sleep and you put him down, he doesn't cry, he's just super chill, like, wow, God really blessed us, you know. And the third is like, a, she's a butterfly, the sweetest girl that you'll ever meet. And we're like, Jesus. And like, our friends are having boy after boy after girl, boy, and if they have a girl, she's, they're even more, you know, active and loud. And, and then finally, we had our fourth child, and we're like, this is easy. And she was born, her whole birth story is completely different. I won't get into that. I'll save you the, the trouble. When she was born, completely different animal altogether. And we had to learn how to parent. We did not know how to parent a child like that. But uh, thankfully, she's 100% intense and 100% loving. She loves intensely. So that's our family. I should have I put up a, brought a picture. Um, and we, 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 we were married on the island of Cyprus. We, were, we are still part of a missional community um, that, that Sarah's family uh, started years ago. She grew up as a missionary kid. I've lived in the U.S. more than Sarah has. Um, and so we're part of, we're, although we're in, at Life Center now, we're still part of that missional community. Uh, we have a base, our main base in Cyprus. Um, and we have another base in Herrenhut, Germany. Actually, Bethany's sister, um, Maggie, right, went to our school in Heronhut for a season. So we have a connection there in our ministry as well. Uh, and several other, there's a community in Spokane, Washington. 
so we spent the last, before coming here four years ago, we spent the last eight years in Cyprus, again, going back to Cyprus. But um, I've been connected to Life Center on the other side of our ministry life uh, since 1993 when I was a co college student at Messiah. Um, they, came to pick, they came to pick up college students and I got in the van and then I just stuck with that church, amazing worship, love the word and all those things. So, so the, the, uh, my roots definitely run deep in that way of connection with Life Center and then our ministry gateways beyond. Um, that's a quick glimpse into who we are, but we feel that God has called us and brought us back here with great purpose. And the more we discover the purpose, the more humbled we are that he would choose us. So that there's a, there's a certain election of God on your life. And if it could go both ways. You feel more of that. You could feel, feel like proud or arrogant or, you know, or it could swing the other way. You feel more and more undeserving and unworthy. But then that moment passes and he just washes over. Like he gives us worth. He gives us value. Isn't that amazing? Like your, 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 um, your, your, is it a byline? He has made us your name, your King's Church name from Revelation 1, 6. He is to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. We were, we were singing about that, right? But the next verse is where you get your name from. And has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. There's no middle ground. In him, in the redemptive plan of God, there's no middle ground. There's no, okay, I've saved you, I've washed you in my blood, now I'll give you 10 years to get it together. Let me read this again. He has loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood without skipping a beat or taking a breath, it says, and has made us kings and priests to his God and his Father forever. To him be dominion and glory forever. So profound. The more we meditate on his love, his plan, his purpose, his desire, and his design for our lives, it's staggering. Staggering. The switch from the, old, the first covenant to the new covenant was borderline blasphemous. You can see Paul's writing in Romans. There's a great tension as he's trying to explain what is at hand. So much so that he, he says, am I putting away the law? Am I getting rid of the law? No, I'm establishing it. He keeps going back in this tension back and forth. All of that is to communicate to them how much greater God has done in the, in the present moment on top of what he had spoken for centuries. And what is even more amazing is that that's not the last covenant that will be made. There's another covenant that is yet to come. It's just there. It's just a hint that's been given to us that he is coming. He could have come in so many different ways. He could have come as a ruling king, the Messiah. That's what they asked him in Acts chapter 1. Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So they're waiting for a kingly messianic ruler. That's what their expectation is. That will still be fulfilled. But he's, what we know in his return, how he is to come back is as our bridegroom. 
And we now are being prepared to be his bride. And if you, the more you think about it, that is a, that's, that's the greatest covenant God can make with us. Of intimacy, of union with him. There's covenant, first covenant. There's a second covenant established through Jesus and fulfilled by the Holy Spirit. And the third covenant that is to come is going to be by the Holy Spirit's work and fulfillment in us into Christ. Did I dump, jump off the deep end? I should, have, I should have eased in a little bit, right? Is this okay? There's another covenant. We have to be a people of hope, of eternal hope. Not hope for what's going to happen politically or what's going to happen in my city or what, how are we going to live as a church. That's not the hope that we need. Those are strategic, boots on the ground, maneuvers that God will show us. But our hope is eternal. It's out of this world. It's beyond this temporal life. That's what gives us courage to stand and move forward and to build and establish his kingdom here on the earth. Thank you, Lord. So we are betrothed to him. We're covenanted, pre-covenant, we're covenanted in the desire to enter into covenant with him. This is our hope. And we have a cheat sheet because scriptures say the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Messiah and of his righteousness. We know what's going to happen at the end. We know where we are now. We know how we are going to be built. It's not me sanctifying myself. It is the, it's the destiny. We're singing the song about destiny. I forget the words. We're singing the songs of destiny. The destiny of the Holy Spirit is the bride, pure and blameless and spotless. That's not my destiny. That's not me. That's, my, that's what I'm going. I'm going to build my... That is actually the assignment of the Holy Spirit in our lives. To prepare. He's here to prepare a pure and spotless bride. Come on. That's liberating, isn't it? It's liberating. And we get to daily... I don't have hair on my head. But in other parts of my body, it's standing up. Thank you, Lord. Sarah, sorry, honey, to embarrass you. Thank you, Lord. It's the work of God in us right now that draws on that eternal hope that he will fulfill in the body of Christ something phenomenal. So this, this morning's word for this church specifically is, I want to title it, if you, if you take notes, Apostolic Alignment. And it sounds like a fancy word. It sounds intense. It sounds super spiritual. The word apostolic, we living in Cyprus, it's a Greek-speaking island. The word is apostolos. It's, it basically, in a simple form, means someone who is sent with a specific mission. You have an assignment a mission, a mandate from God, and you have been sent with, from a powerful authority that is recognized where you sent it. Or if it's not recognized, you walk in that authority. 
So if you're called King's Church, you have to have some kind of weightiness behind your assignment. Weightiness behind who you are. You can't be called King's Church and be whatever. Right? There is a sending assignment over you here in this city. There's a mandate and a mission from God. Notes that he takes on your behalf night after night. That you wake up into God. What are your thoughts for me today? We're connected. As a body, we're connected. What happens with David and Bethany influences this church. What happens here in this corporate context influences every marriage. What happens in each, what happens there influences where you work and where you live. We're meant to be connected by God through this assignment that's over our lives. And the apostolic word just means you're sent for a specific purpose. I want to inspire you in your own destiny, in your own name, in your own call here, in the city and beyond. Some of you may be transient for a season. Some of you may be permanent. It doesn't matter. You're here. Jesus didn't even live a full 80 years on the earth. He only lived 33 years, but that didn't stop him from daily fulfilling what he was called to. Right? If you read John 17, it's the, it's the famous passage about unity. That's why we normally read it. But if you reread those passages, over and over and over, Jesus says, for you and I to be one, me to be one, you, us to be one with the Father, just as you to be one with me, just as I'm one with the Father. So that, over and over he says, so that you may know that he sent me. More than unity, the, that passage, those, the theme of that, that, those passages are for us to understand that he was sent. There was an apostolic sending that he came with a mission and a mandate and a message from God and a direction from God. So I want to inspire you this morning, us as a church here, in this alignment and assignment that we have from him, which is much bigger than us. And I love thinking about the things that's given us. Our pastor Charles said this years ago. He doesn't even remember this quote. But I remember, I remember almost falling off the, my chair when he said it. He said, the things of God are simple. But when it comes by revelation, it's profound. And that revelation makes that life that we live simple. It's not complicated. But there's a depth of revelation that just keeps turning and turning. It's unending. We have limits in our body. Right? Con our physical constructs are very limited, but the internal thoughts can be endless. There's an eternal nature inside of us that knows no boundaries or limits. It can be endless on the inside. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, I thank you for this word for this church. I'm not ending. I'm just starting. Thank you for the word. Is he closing already? Thank you for this word. <laughs> I ask you, God, I pray that it will be just the wind and the spirit of inspiration here among us. As we open your word, that you will give understanding to our simple hearts in the depths of who you are, God. We love and cause us to fall in love with you more and cause us to fall in love with each other more through it. In Jesus' name, B'Shem Yeshua. Amen. Amen. So the apostolic basically 
happens when we hear the mission and the mandate and the purpose from God. It could be a lifelong mission. It could be a seasonal mission. It could be a day-to-day what God is speaking to us. If, a, if, a, if an army goes to war, the kings and the counselors, the bishops, they are not in the front line. They sit back and they're strategizing. There's a theme. There's, a, there's an overarching way to move forward. And in, back in those days, battles were sometimes weeks, maybe months of waiting and maneuvering and, and planning. And there was a main strategy. Then there's the, okay, how do, we, how do we adjust to what's going on? How do we move forward in this moment? And then there's a daily strategy. They send messengers. This is what I want you to do. This is what we, how to move forward. So basic idea of understanding apostolic alignment is, God, what are you speaking to us in this season? What have you sent us here for? What am I here for in this moment? What am I in this city for? What am I part of this church for? Why are we as a church here for in the city? If we're just to have a church, we're missing the whole point. We're missing the bigger picture. That level of we're just a church is good for our hearts to stay humble. Does that make sense? But then we have to take God as greater purposes, more than I could grasp or understand but here am I send me here am I send me come on so when his words come from that eternal space and comes to us it becomes so personal he makes those things that are huge and bigger than us very personal so that we can grab a hold of it it started let's I'm going to read from from uh, Genesis 12 2 and 3 This is the the starting of covenant language. God is making the Abrahamic covenant, Abrahamic blessing. He could have said, the verse is up on the screen. He could have said, I don't even know how to convert this. I'm going to make my name great in the earth and I shall be a blessing. And I will, it could go on. He's releasing his purposes, but he's partnering with an unknown man, and he, tra- he translates the eternal, the bigger purposes of God on the earth to a very personal message for Abraham. And he says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in you... All the families of the earth shall be blessed. Do you hear the language of heaven? He puts Abraham smack dab in the middle of his plan and desire. Should we read this together one more time? And I want you to help me. I want you to say the word you every time we come to it. Okay? Yes? I will make a great nation. I will bless you. And make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So profound. So profound. He should have laid out his plan sovereignly in a different way. Hey, Abraham, this is my plan. You want to buy into it? You want to be a part of it? He doesn't say that way. He translates it into Abraham's own personal life, 
in you, all the families of the earth would be blessed. Thank you, Lord. What if we're here for the families of, what if we're still here for the families of the earth to be blessed by God? What if we're still a body, a representative, the ambassadors of God? What if we're kings and priests here on the earth to fulfill the greater mandate and God is continually putting us at the center of it? There's a tension because in, if, you, if we isolate some New Testament, New Covenant language, you don't want to be the center of it, right? More of you, less of me. There are many songs written about that. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? God, let me be smaller and you be great. Those are all, that's the inward personal devotion and personal development that still stays the same. I'm still a little skinny kid from South India. I know the village I came from. I used to run around wearing little knickers when I was a little boy, you know, and get scraped up, falling on the ground. I remember where I came from. I'm still that same boy, but I've also grabbed a hold of the things that he has spoken in you. It's a tension in scriptures that we walk with God. Oh, but yes. Oh, man, but yes. Can't be me, but yes. Surely you're not talking about me, but yes. And there are moments we have to step into that place of strength and confidence in order to fulfill that apostolic mandate. We have to align ourselves with what heaven is speaking over your life individually. Individually. And when it becomes a lifestyle, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. There's no telling what things God will reor- reorder, reorchestrate around you in order for you to walk with him. We've lived this as a missionary family. We have seen some of the most outrageous miracles. It's not because we perform miracles. We don't have a YouTube channel, Miracle Workers, Chandi and Sarah. We don't, we don't have fame. We don't, we, none of those things, but we have seen What happens when out of that, oh, it can't be me, but when I say yes, what happens around us? We have seen an airplane with 24 people disappear. I'll I'll tease you with that. Maybe I'll tell you that story another time. We've seen random people walk through the airport, past a crowd that is in need, and we're there with a family, four children, guitar, and all these things. We're standing there. They walk by us and say, can, we, can I help you? And they take us and help us and leave about 50 people, women and children, Heathrow Airport, outside the airport on the sidewalk, 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. And they walk by all of them, the guy with the orange suit, walks by all of them and help us, singularly our family. We've had strangers, again, at Heathrow Airport. I don't know why. Heathrow Airport. We were stranded. Ooh, a long story. These are all teasers. That he gave up, a businessman. We were stranded. Huge story. Everything's falling apart. And we're, we're stuck there for the whole night. That was the least of our problems. And we're happy to just stay in the airport. We, we found Costa Coffee that was open. The only thing that was open through the night he walks up to us and says, 
I want to give you, we started chatting, and in the end he says, I want to give you my hotel. I'm a businessman. You can't sleep here. With, we had one, one child at that time. You can't sleep here. And he says, I will sleep here in your place, and you will go sleep in my hotel room. He ends up coming with us in the shuttle to his hotel, Hilton, downtown London. And we get there, we check in, we get the, the key to the room, and I'm like, either he's going to kill us and we're going to be in a refrigerator or freezer by tomorrow morning, or this is an angel or something bigger is happening. It wasn't a mission trip. It wasn't, an, you know what I mean? We're just living life and traveling. But we have history with God of saying yes. And he actually walks us to our room. Now I'm like, okay. The lobby is, oh, you came on the bus with us. The lobby, check in. Now it's, oh, I want to come and make sure the room's okay. Uh-huh. So I move Sarah to this side. And Mur, our daughter, and I'm walking. I'm watching his expression. If like one th- like facial expression changes, I'm ready. I'm I can hustle. I can I can throw down. We walk in. He looks in the room. Up, oh, it's all good. It was an Italian guy. He, he said, "Have a great night. God bless you." Bizarre things like that happen to us all the time. Why? Because there's something greater happening in and around us. Because we continually say, yes, God. We continually grab a hold of the greater promises. So we have this promise to Abraham. And then when we come to the life of Jesus, he steps into this very promise. To Abraham, it was in you, the nations of the earth will be blessed. In you, in you, all the families. Jesus comes. After being tempted, the very first thing that he comes to is a temple, and the scrolls were given to him, and the book of Isaiah was opened, and he turned to the passage that was his allotted passage. If you study this, the history of how those things are orchestrated in, in, the, in the synagogue, it's a beautiful thing. So he opens, we don't have time to get into that, he opens Isaiah 61, and he reads, The spirit of the, I want you to hear this in the same breath and the same tone of the word of promise that was spoken to Abraham. I will make you a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Now Jesus enters the scene and he says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And he has, here's the word, here's the language. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Right in the middle of this is the apostolic sending language. I want you to know that he has sent me. I am now entering into a certain fulfillment of the language of promise and covenant that God spoke to Abraham. There could be centuries old promises that are, that are, that are around your life circulating around your life, in orbit around your life, in order for you to stumble into some of those promises. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
The reason we moved back from Cyprus, we were actually looking in those years to launch another Saranai, to pioneer another missional community either in the, in the Himalayan region of India, the North, North India, Nepal, Himalayan region, or in Italy. And we were taking teams, our staff teams, to prayer trips and scouting trips. God, what are you speaking? Where is the next launch for us? We felt that shifting in our hearts for several years. And in that time, I begin to get dreams. And we've taught on dream interpretation for so many years. And we've made major life decisions based on dreams. And I began, I get a dream. A few weeks later, a few days later, I get another dream. A few days later, I get another dream. And ten dreams back to within a span of two, three days in between each one. Never had anything like that before, never since. And each of those dreams, in each of those dreams were our, was our pastor, Charles and Ann, from, from Life Center. We knew it was directional. We knew God was changing our direction completely. We've never talked about coming back to the U.S. I used to work in an investment banking firm years ago after college. And in that time when I heard the call of God on my life, I left the banking firm. And they were processing my green card application. And I canceled my green card in, the, in 1999 in order to go to missions. I was young. I'm like a radical. Ah, I'm going to burn every bridge I know so that it can be a radical story with God. What was I thinking? Such an idiot. Years later, God is bringing me, we, we were here for another season in between, but God is bringing us back with these 10 dreams, and Charles and Ann are in each of them. And we, we think, let's wait till the fall. We'll come to Spokane, Washington. We have our ministry's leadership gathering, and let's wait and talk to them, get counsel together, do process, you know, and, and present these, this complete change of direction for us. Here we are, the next team, generation of leaders for our ministry, looking to pioneer another missional community, and the Lord completely redirects us to, to semi-leave the ministry and come and move to Harrisburg to be with Charles and Ann. Ten dreams, and some more things that God has spoken to us. So we said, let's wait till October. We'll fly to Spokane, share with our leadership. So we're flying from Cyprus to Spokane, Washington. We land in Houston for an hour and a half transit. I get off the airplane. Before I make it to, the, to customs, there's a huge escalator. I'm on the escalator, and I look down. There's a, there's a familiar kind of gray-headed person. I can't tell who it is. I'm like, oh, it can't be. He gets to the bottom of the escalator. He turns around. I'm like, Charles? He turns around and says, Chandi, what are you doing here? I'm moving my family with four children with no other indication than 10 dream, dreams that God gave us. And Charles is in all of them. We, we touch our feet in America, not even in Harrisburg, not even on the East Coast, in Houston, in transit for an hour and a half. The very first person I run into on American soil is Charles. Charles has no clue what our storyline is. My body's just on like hooked up to a power socket just oh, what is going on with my life what are you doing so I'm like trying to have a casual lunch with Charles of course I'm not going to tell him all of those things you know right off the gate so I'm trying to be like talk about life and kids and trying to keep a poker face I think I was miserably failing the whole time but I knew to take a selfie with him because I'm not going to believe that this happened like two three months down the road See, when we are connected to him, when we are walking in that way, everything around you, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes. 
That's the apostolic part. You get the language? I don't want apostolic to be like a high and mighty lofty thing. It's really, God, I'm grabbing a hold of your plan and your design for my life at this season. Maybe it's not my lifelong goal, but I'm grabbing a hold of it. If I grab a hold of it, everything else begins to orchestrate and reorchestrate and reorient to God that is inside of me. Thank you, Lord. If I'm invited back, I promise to tell faith stories. That's my favorite, that's my favorite, just phenomenal. The more I tell them, the more I, we think, when we retell these stories, every time we're like, what were we thinking? So Jesus is reading these words, fulfilling the promise and the covenant spoken to Abraham in you. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me, and he has sent me to heal, to deliver, to set free, to give vision to the blind. Then he, verse 20, then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You see, when he sat down, the tradition is that you, there's a seat in the synagogues, which is called the seat of Moses. This is a seat of authority. He sat in the seat of Moses in the synagogue, and he says, today, you can sit in the seat of Moses as a, as a chief rabbi or the main rabbi and teach out of scriptures. It's another thing to sit on the seat of Moses and say, today, these things are fulfilled in your hearing. I don't know how much attention they were paying to him until then, but when he sat down, it says all their eyes were fixed on him and they were paying attention to what he was saying. There are moments in our lives that we're able to step in and say, God, you've called me for something greater. Sometimes, I have this saying, sometimes you just collect the dots. Because you're sensory, we're sensory people. You don't have to be prophetic. If you're prophetic, that's even better. But we're sensory people. Something, oh, that's something, there's something special in that. Have you said that when you, when you witness something around you? That's something, that, what's significant about it? I don't know what it is, but I really love that. Collect the dots. Be aware of those things that are unusual around you, that's beautiful around you. If anything is praiseworthy, if anything has virtue, think of these things. Consider those dots that God places around you. We're not called to connect the dots. We're called to collect those dots, those pieces that may have some meaning. And in the right time, in the right way, he'll just go, whoop. I'm like, whoa, how did, how did I, I never saw that before. This morning I was getting ready. And I, I like half clothed, but I like opened the bathroom and I said, babe, I got, the Lord just spoke to me something about one of, our, one of our ministries. I've been considering for months, almost a year and a half now. And all of a sudden this morning, totally disconnected to what I was it, mentally preparing for, the, for, for speaking, and all of a sudden the Lord just connects, it, connects the dots that were already in my heart. Thank you, Lord. To Simon, he says, You will now be called Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And then the Great Commission, You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the end. It's the same language. He's still continually calling. He left us with the commission that you will be continue to be those 
agents of transformation and reformation on the earth so that the, the families of the earth can be blessed through you. The more you think, that sounds good in church, but when I go home, how does this mean? You are the perfect candidate for the Lord. It's not about if you can preach or sing, all those kinds of things. The more we feel disqualified, the more you come to the front of the line. Of all the disciples, Peter was the worst among them, a fisherman. And there's a passage I love. It says, when they were counting the names of the disciples, it says, but Peter was first. I can imagine a little bit of a turmoil as he's saying, hey, I want to record who's here and who are the 12 that Jesus chose. I can feel, I can say, I can imagine a little bit of commotion, so much so that the writer wrote, but Peter was first. There's no mention of who was second. The names are there. You see, he grabbed a hold of God. I don't just want to be eight or nine or ten or even three or two. That's his nature. He said, I have to be the first one because I know who I am. I know where I come from. I know whatever good is in me is of the Lord. I want it. Anything he does is an upgrade for me. It's a continual life of upgrade. Have you got an upgrade in traveling? It's the best feeling in the world. You feel so important. You act different. You drink that champagne a little. All of a sudden, you like champagne. <laughs> but when we realize the magnitude of his purpose for us, it transforms us. Thank you, Lord. We have a, our building in Life Center. It used to be, it was built by Amp Incorporated. It was a tech, tech company. It was state-of-the-art building when they built it. It was built in 95, I think. And in 93, 92 or 93, we got a word from, a prophetic word, significant prophetic word, recorded on VHS and everything from Kim Clement. I see a vast property on a hill overlooking the freeway. It'll be for the purposes of children, purposes of training, all these things. This building was not built when that word was given. Four or five years later, AMP builds a phenomenal building on top of a hill overlooking the freeway for the purpose. This was their international headquarters. They had giant screens for training, like theater seating, all designed for the purposes of training, a word that we received four or five years prior to that. And long story short, in 2000, we purchased the building and we move in. So the word AMP is the, is the name of that company. And another prophet came, and he, he saw these eight letters changing, AMP, PAM, MAP, and he had these like acronyms. He had you know, words to describe them. And a AMP was apostolic made personal. I love it. It has so many different ways for that to unfold in, in, my, in our hearts. But the apostolic mandate of God, his call and his purpose is on all of you. If you're part of this church in New York City, in this temperature of where we're living right now, you're all called to have that sent, being sent vibe about you. Not just I'm serving, we are serving, we're coming, we're attending, we're part of it, but build his kingdom, build his church. Build what God is doing here, not just here, but with each other as well. This is where it's proven. 
You could be the most anointed preacher, but if you don't have context for relationship, I want nothing to do with you. This is covenant. The, the apostolic mandate alignment is covenant language. It's covenant. Like God is making a covenant, and Jesus comes fulfilling that covenant and says, it's upon me right now. King's Church mandate, you have to say it when you're driving by yourself. We're on the subway. King's Church mandate is upon me in this season. To be kings and priests in this city for this time. Thank you, Lord. I don't care what kind of mandates happen and change around me. We are here to influence. We are here to bless and to transform and bring reformation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And it takes guts. It takes courage. I'll, I'll, I'll touch on this story really quickly and, and end here. When these promises were made to Israel, land flowing, milk and honey, all these amazing promises, and they came to the life of Joshua and Caleb, and they, they, they asked 12 leaders from all of the 12 tribes to go and spy out the land. It's a familiar story, so I won't get into it in detail. And Joshua and Caleb were numbered among the 12. So there's Joshua and Caleb and 10 other leaders, each of their tribe of Israel. So they're not, they're not just whoever can go, whoever's free. These are significant leaders with authority, with a certain sense of, you know, call on their lives. They go and their spying was not for one day. When you hear the word spying, you think like one night in, in the cover of night, you go and look at what's there and you escape before they find you. Who knows how many days they spied the land? 40 days. They spied the land for 40 days. That's not spying. That's called, you're going to die <laughs> before you, come, you get to come back. You can't spy for 40 days in that landscape with a land full of giants. They said, they, they look like, we look like grasshoppers to them. And in their sight, we look like grasshoppers too. So there was a lot of conversation going on. They felt like grasshoppers and they heard other people say, you guys look like grasshoppers. In comparison to them. So you can't hide in that kind of a context. So they go and they come back. The assignment from God is this. Numbers 13. You don't have to turn there. Just listen to the story. Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. The mandate came with the fulfillment as well. Go spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. He already gave them the result. They didn't have to figure it out. They didn't have to, 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 to analyze it. They just had to go and report what they saw and come back and say, okay, now we saw this. How are we going to do this? That's all they should have asked. Which I'm giving to the children of Israel. And here's, what the, here's the assignment. See what the land is like. Whether the people who dwell, in, dwell there are strong or weak, whether the land is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, whether they're forests or not, be of good courage. Doop, 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 and bring back some fruit of the land. So they come back and they begin to report. We are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we and, and on and on they go. There we saw giants and we were grasshoppers in our own sight and so we were in their sight. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a... This is how depraved and discouraged they were for 40 days. The reason it was 40 days is they had to come into a full place of completely losing the plot or completely getting the plot. 
They said, let us return to Egypt. Let us, they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Incredible. But Joshua, the son of Nun, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, they said, they spoke to all the congregation of Israel saying, the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. You see, when you begin to align with the mandate and the mission and the purpose and the design of God over our lives, our language changes, our perspective changes, the common current circumstance does not dictate what we believe on the inside and how we are, the narrative in, within me is so different than what I see around. We're living in such a time right now. I am not, we are not called to, to battle the narrative based on what we hear, but stand because you're part of King's Church for crying out loud. Priests and kings. That's my narrative. That continues to be my narrative. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our, of our God. That's where we're going. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me. This is awesome. Because he has a different spirit within him and has followed me fully. I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. You see, this, the, the battle for Joshua and Caleb will end here. The battle for Joshua and Caleb was not the giants. This is the word of the Lord for King's Church. It was not the giants. It was not the system of what they were seeing and witnessing in Canaan. It's not the lifestyle that they witnessed and lived in for 40 days. The battle that they had to win is to walk with 12 of their leaders for 40 days and still have the report of the Lord. It's easy to have a narrative against what is clearly evil. Oh, that's not me. We love the Lord. It's a different thing to have the report of the Lord together with your closest people that God has called you to, called you with. Imagine them, fourth or fifth night into their 40-day stint. They're huddled around a fire somewhere, and they're talking. Ten of them are saying, man, this is crazy. How long, how many, how many more weeks do we have to endure this? Can you imagine their conversation every single day and night? Uh, just among them. Just among the 12 of them. The greatest battle of the narrative of the apostolic alignment, apostolic mission, is to have the report of the Lord among each other. Among those who are called to go and grab a hold of the promises, the land that God has given you. Thank you, Lord. Within your church and the partners that God has called you alongside, to run alongside with. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for this. This morning, I thank you for courageous hearts here at King's Church. We thank you for David and Bethany, God. We thank you for the strength that you have called them to live out life here with.
God, I pray that there will be like Joshua and Caleb here. Those who do not doubt, those who do not have an altered report. Regardless of what you see, sense, and feel, that you would have that higher kings and priests apostolic mandate over your lives. This is, this is how you encourage each other. Thank you, Lord. God has called us for something greater. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Because that passage of kings and priests, where your name comes from, it has to do with his return. It says later in the passage about the return of the Lord. That's our hope. That's what we're here for, to be that mark in the landscape. God, here we are. That flame and fire here in New York City that continue to proclaim the goodness of God, that continue to proclaim the kingdom of God here among us. So I bless every heart. I bless every family. I bless your conversations. I know you're taking a break from small groups, but I bless your conversations this month, next month, into the fall, into, into winter. Thank you, Lord. Let it be encouraging one to another. Let it build up one to Let it provoke each other in the Lord. Let the narratives just be like a whirlwind that begins in common conversation and it keeps stirring until it reaches heaven. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So I bless this church. I bless the families. I bless the leadership. I bless the worship team. I bless those who serve. I bless those who plan. I bless the calendar. I bless the schedule. Everything that you have allotted for this community, we bless it in Jesus' name. From our house, from Life Center, we speak the blessings of God that makes, from, as it says in Proverbs, the blessings of God that makes rich and add no sorrows to it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Let's just respond to the, if this is something that you're saying, God, I want, just lift your hands to the Lord as we, Worship for just a brief moment. God, I want it. I want it. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We really believe that God wants you to know Him in a personal and tangible way. If there's any way we can assist your journey, please reach out to kcnyc.org.